I learned that you just do the next thing. And if you do your part, the universe will provide everything else. I'm really quick to want to control the outcome of things. And it is absolutely impossible, completely impossible to control the outcome of anything. <laughs> I feel like I'm living proof. I have tried to exert my will on the universe. <laughs> It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Hi, everyone. This is Katie Archibald Anders. Welcome to Learning Courage, where we learn together how to live bigger, more courageously, and hopefully, ultimately, more joyfully. I'm so excited for my guest today. My very first guest, Brian Wisenant, is a writer, director, actor, singer, artist. He is also a dear, dear friend of mine. Brian and I met at Allenberry Playhouse in Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. Back in 2002, we were doing a musical theater summer stock together. And we instantly connected and became fast friends. Brian is open and honest and funny. And as you'll hear, he has also experienced struggle but has come out the other side with a knowledge and wisdom, experience and insight. And I am so grateful that he is here to share it with us all. A bit about how this podcast works. A guest chooses a time in their life, past or present, where they had to choose courage. And we start there. We start there and the conversation goes from there. And one more important thing before we get started, make sure you stay tuned until the end of this episode for another very special guest. You don't want to miss it. But without further ado, let's get into our conversation. Here's Brian. Well, there are so many because I've <laughs> been so great. <laughs> You have. I know it's hard well, to pick one. Well, you know, something I've been saying a lot lately is that um, I wish I was as, well, not courageous. I said, I wish I was as fearless as I was like when I was younger, um, particularly in college, like when I was studying theater. And I, I remember driving to Austin. I was doing a, a show and the moment the show ended at like 10.30 p.m., my friend and I got in the car and drove to this audition for Rent. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about that and how I, I had no doubt that I was absolutely worthy to be in that show. And I auditioned and I got called back and I got called back and I got called back. And it was like, I mean, it was probably until I moved to New York, well, definitely the biggest chance I ever had. And not once did I doubt that I deserved to be in that show, right? I mean, obviously I drove all the way to Austin because I thought I was worthy. 
And, you know, even when you and I met, um, I felt like when I auditioned for things, I always thought I deserved it. And, you know, as the years went by, I mean, gosh, that was, when did we meet? 2002 or three? 2002, summer 2002. So 18 years ago, 18 years ago, um, when we were 12. um, (laughs) So lately I've been thinking about, gosh, I wish I was fearless like that. And so I wanted to talk about a recent experience of me and, you know, learning courage. That's a really specific way to frame it. And so I wanted to talk about moving back to California at 43. I'm now 44. Or was I 40? Who knows? Time is so weird right now. But, um, you know, moving back to California, having, quote, failed in the industry, having to go back to Mississippi and, you know, trying again. I really relate to the feeling of feeling like you were more courageous when you were younger. I've been thinking about that a lot. I feel like I was a lot, I did a lot more kind of quote unquote risk-taking in my twenties, you know, moving across the country and, and doing musical theater and changing things up more. I'm a lot more kind of, and again, this could be viewed as maybe this is a positive thing of, of, you know, maturing and getting older. Um, but I, I'm kind of a lot more stable now, but I also am a lot more risk averse. Um, and it, it's a lot harder for me to kind of step out of my comfort zone and do things that are scary where I feel like when I was younger, I just did things. So that, I think that's a really interesting thing to explore. And it sounds like it's, it's maybe it is kind of common and maybe universal. There's something with age that makes us less willing to want to, do things that are really scary and put us outside of our comfort zone. But I think that's why it's really cool to talk to each other about it. Cause just cause we're, you know, just because we're in our forties doesn't mean we can't do things that are scary. They, they may look different. You know, I might not be able to move across the country right now and, and, you know, live without health insurance for years and years and years, like how I, how I lived. It doesn't mean that we can't do things that are scary and, um, and, they might just look a little different. Maybe the scary today is deciding whether to take out a 401k loan. I don't know, (laughs) which I did to move here. I had to do that to move here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was, uh, and also I had a bad history of, let's see, there's an example. Like when I was younger, um, I remember getting a Discover card at 18 and just being like, heck yeah, give me that Discover card. And then maxed out, didn't pay it. Mom and dad paid it here came the next, you know, here comes the next credit card. And, you know, I took out a loan in, after you and I met, I remember I took out a big loan. I can't believe Citibank gave me this loan, like $7,000. Like that was the kind of like bad risks I would take where today, you know, learning, learning courage, I had to say, you're not who you were then. It's okay. If you take a thousand dollar 401k loan to move to California, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's paid off now. I paid it off. But it was like that, that, you know, we talk, that people talk a lot about like inner child. Well, for me, I was like, inner child was in my 20s too. <laughs> I was like this, you know, I had to like go back and tell myself like, you don't have to behave the way you did. So the risk is I, like, the, you know, I'm still taking a risk. It's just different. So to back up a little bit, can you give the backstory of how you ended up in California? 
I, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, right? And I always wanted to be an actor. And I went to college uh, and studied theater. You know, I studied theater. I, I, at one point I knew I wanted to be an actor. Like it was the thing. It was when I binged the X-Files. I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Well, first I wanted to be an FBI agent. And I thought, no, that's not right. That's not right. But I, uh, you know, I studied and I knew, well, you know, the dream was always California. I don't know if you actually know this. The dream was always California. And, um, but because I had most, my most success in college by doing musical theater professionally, um, cause we would go on like, so I do summer stock in musical theater and I, you know, I got paid. I was like, oh my God. So I had this idea <laughs> that I would use musical theater as a stepping stone to get to, which is kind of what happened. That is what happened, um, you know? and. So I moved, so New York was like, okay, I'm going to move to New York. That's where I can be the most successful in musical theater. And, you know, I, there's my cat. Hi, Ellen. I'm Hi, sure Ellen. everyone can hear. Now she decides to play with the toy that she never plays with. She decides <laughs> to play with it now. Um, but that's so Ellen. Um, Ellen's the real star. I'm sure everyone knows who Ellen is. But um, so yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm gay. I'm a gay man who grew up in Mississippi. And, you know, when I got to New York, I felt completely liberated, like, in that area. I mean, and it was a quick liberation, but then it was a big, scary um, experience. And so I started using drugs. You know, I had, like, experimented with drugs in college. I think most people do. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of things that I hadn't dealt with. Um, and so when feelings started to come up, I used drugs as a coping mechanism. And I think um, no one knows, like if anyone tries to tell you like this is how someone becomes an addict, they probably don't know what they're talking about because if we truly knew there would be a cure, um, maybe not, but that's just kind of my personal opinion. But anyway, I, you know, I would go through these phases like when you and I met when I'm like, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get myself together. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing. And I would, I think the biggest um, time of success was when you and I met. Um, so that period from like 2002 to um, 2005. And then I did this film and I remember the day of like my dream doing a film and my first day of shooting, I had been up all night the night before doing Coke. And I remember messaging the director and this is a, this is a big film and being like, I can't come in. And it was literally my day, like we were starting with my close up where I was speaking to this huge group of people and here I am like, I can't do it. And he, I just, he just messaged me. He's like, oh no, you're gonna do it. And so I went up and what's really scary is when I watched that film, you know, I know, like I'm looking at myself. I'm like, wow, I was up all night and I almost didn't even show up, but I was still really funny. Like it was good. I was good. And see, that's part of the problem. So then I had a few years of, you know, doing well. I did some student films and, um, and then I met a guy. <laughs> and uh, again, like it was not, it was kind of toxic from day one. And instead of ending the relationship, I started doing drugs again, because that's what an addict does. Why deal with the real problem when you can just do drugs? And eventually the drugs stopped really doing the job. So I graduated to different drugs and eventually graduated to, um, well, then I moved to LA. I moved to LA 
that relationship ended. I moved to LA and, you know, thought that that would be it. The geographic cure, we call it. And it wasn't. So then I started doing that same drug and I, you started, I, I, well, I started IVing, like doing IV drugs. And I ended up back in Mississippi. And uh, it was like the thing I swore, like, I don't know if anyone listening has like a thing they say they'll never do. I swore I would never go back to Mississippi, ne- never move back. And I remember driving back and just being like, my life is over. And uh, I got clean and almost from the beginning, I wanted to come back. Well, no, that's not true. I thought LA was the problem. Um, My parents thought New York was the problem. Well, after years of work, I realized I was the problem. (laughs) It wasn't a place. And so I started wanting to come back to California. And I talked about it a lot in meetings, like 12 step meetings and with my therapist and my sponsor. The only person I didn't talk about it was my parents because I knew it was going to break their heart, but um, yeah. So that's kind of the backstory that took like twenty minutes to tell. Oh, that's <laughs> that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, it sounds like you know, moving moving out here has obviously been a dream for a long time. But when you were in Mississippi, it was something you talked about a lot. I guess I'm curious about you know, at what point was there a day where it was like, I am doing this. You know, I'm setting a date, or you know, was it a gradual process, or was it more? you kind of woke up one day and decided, all right, I'm making this happen no matter what. There was a day specifically that I knew I couldn't stay in Mississippi. And it was the, when Trump was elected 2016 for me that night, like I remember, um, I kept looking at my phone. I was, I'm not watching the results, but then I kept watching the results, which is like very, I think a lot of us do that, but addicts definitely do that. And uh, I remember like some state got called and I lived in this, uh, I lived in this really cute house. It was like the first place I ever like rented on my own and it was really cool. And I had to go work the next morning at, for a wealth management company. Um, as an, I was working as an administrative assistant and I heard this, I don't know how to describe it other than a hoot and a holler, which is very Southern. It was this, well, I can't do it. I might burst that with like this, yeah, woo, sound from my neighbors. And in that moment, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I didn't know what that meant, you know? And, um, but that was a very telling moment. Now I will tell you, I didn't move until 2019. So that was three years later, mm-hmm. I think. Um, over those three years, I heard from what, you know, in recovery, we talk about higher power, universe, God, source, creator, whatever, whatever works, it doesn't matter. Um, For me, it's kind of like the universe. And so people would always be like, well, why don't you go visit LA? I'd be like, oh, no, no, I can't do that. I don't have the money to visit LA. I have to move to LA. I have to save every penny to move. And I kept hearing that over, over time, right? And then (laughs) I had this grand plan um, where I had a roommate. I then got a roommate and I had a really sweet deal on this house. Like, I mean, we were paying almost nothing and I was just using my money for nonsense, you know? And finally I was like, okay. My therapist was like, well, why don't you make a budget to move? I was like, oh my God, what a great idea. 
And so I had my grand plan. And then once I made my budget and I was like, I'm moving in two years. My roommate's like, I'm moving out. <laughs> and I was like, no, you can't move out. I need your money. It's not in my <laughs> plan. Not in my plan. So, um, but I also knew I couldn't live with anyone else. Like I just knew I couldn't do it. And I went to this uh, conference. So I, I had stopped working for that wealth management company. Um, they actually fired me, which was probably the biggest blessing of my, one of the biggest blessings I've ever had. Cause I was, cause that was part of the plan too. I was like, I'm going to work in this wealth management company that I'm miserable at and save my, and then I got fired. And so uh, I had started working in the treatment industry, addiction treatment, substance use. And I went to this conference and uh, this very well-known interventionist, I just sat down with him for lunch and I said, he lives in Palm Springs. And I said, so I really wanna go back to California. Do you have any ideas? And he goes, well, have you thought about visiting? And I was like, I had this guttural response. What do you mean? I'm so sick of people. To, da, 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 da. Like I had this like, and so anytime I have that kind of response, I take note. I'm like, why am I responding in this way? And that's when I knew I had to visit. He was like, you can come stay with us. I was like, okay. He's like, do you ever have, do you have any like miles? I'm like, miles, like flights. So I reached out, I looked at Delta, which I'd been flying since college and I had like enough miles for a free flight. Cause I'm like, I don't have the money. And I didn't have the money, but the universe was like, yeah, you do. <laughs> and then my landlord who's from LA, I told her, I said, I'm thinking about going to visit. She goes, book the flight. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, book the flight. And if you don't have the money to do it by the time you, the flight, I'll give you the money. And I said, okay, so I booked the flight. And then out of nowhere, um, there was a job opening at the company I worked for in Los Angeles. And uh, that same interventionist had also mentioned like, don't they have a treatment center out in Laguna? And I'm like, yeah, but that's not in my plan. My plan is to save all this money over 20 years and then move. <laughs> <laughs> and so I applied for the job. I got the job. And then my trip to visit LA became a trip to find an apartment. And I moved three weeks later. Wow. Yeah. It gives me chills to see how much, I mean, I call it the universe too, how much you were meant to be here. And what I love about that story is you had your plan, which was, I'm going to work at this wealth management job where I'm miserable and it's, you know, I'm going to save my pennies and it might take me 20 years, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it. And the universe was like, no, you ended up where you wanted to be, but sometimes the path to get there might look different than what you had expected or what you had planned. And that's what, that's something I know I'm trying to learn. Like you can have kind of a goal or you have, you could have something you want to do, or you can have a dream or a vision, but it's really, it's really important to kind of let go of the trying to control how you're going to get there because you have no idea what the universe can do. You know, there's, it's like beyond your imagination and sometimes the path might look different. And if we're too attached to it, looking a certain way, we might miss something or miss opportunities or, um, 
you could have said no, you know, could have, you could have met that person in Palm Springs said, no, no, thank you. You know, I, I'm not ready to go visit. Like I, I need to save my money. I need to do this. Need, and instead, you know, maybe your initial reaction was a little like defensive. Like, why are you asking me this? But you were You're a like the 10th person. Who's why are you know, this? almost, yeah, you could have, you could have stayed in that place. Yep. You know, I am on my plan. You know, I have my five year <laughs> plan and I am not leaving my plan. But you instead you were able to have some self-awareness and reflection and say, like, why am I reacting this way? You know, why am I getting so angry about this? And kind of like open yourself up and look and look, you check Delta and you had these miles you didn't even know about. And then this job ended up opening up and here you are. You yeah. know, here you are in, yeah. in California, how many years later? So I think that's a really good lesson um, that when you do have something you want to do or a, a whatever it is that, yeah, it might just look different. I mean, I have so, I have so many times in my life where the path was like this instead of how I had expected, but you ultimately end up, if you're open to it, you kind of end up where you, where you want to be and where you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, one thing that's interesting is the job there was some resistance when I was negotiating my contract and uh, I had a friend who goes, who said, Oh, when things are meant to be in my life, they, they're a lot easier. And so that really scared me because I thought, is this the wrong decision? Right. And I kept asking even the CEO of my job, like he was so supportive. He's still so supportive. um, Even though I'm not at that company anymore. I would be like, what should I do? What should I do? And eventually I remember a really good friend said to me, well, you're going to have to make a decision now. And that was so scary because a lot of my life, I didn't make decisions. I acted on whim or circumstance. Like, you know, a lot of those things we consider risk. It's so funny. Just talking about this is very eye-opening right now. I feel like I'm having like a spiritual (laughs) awakening, but like what I considered risky behavior, like taking a risk, not risky behavior, taking a risk um, was a lot of just like flying by the seat of my pants. So making the decision to take that job and move was so foreign to me. And so my friend who's made that comment, you know, there was fear. And the fact that the job wasn't I mean, I kind of knew from the process of getting the transfer that it wasn't going to be rainbows and unicorns. Um, but I was like, well, I can always leave. And then COVID happened and it was like, okay. I, and again, it was like, clearly I can't get a job. I can't, clearly I can't get a job during COVID. People are losing jobs. And uh, what was interesting about my year at the company was that, Yeah, my friend, for her, things are easy. But for me, I needed to learn boundaries. And I didn't know that until I left the job. So not only did the universe get me to California, it gave me a great lesson on setting boundaries. Um, And yeah, and then I got a new job. (laughs) I got a new job during COVID at a place I absolutely love. And... Yeah, beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I would still be sitting in Oxford, Mississippi right now, saving 
$50 a month, $100 a month being, I'll get there any day now, any day I'll get there. I love what you just said about boundaries because it's so true. And it's sometimes not like, you know, I, I believe the universe is like always for our good, you know, like always for our highest good, but Same. sometimes, but sometimes the lessons are not necessary. It's, it doesn't mean that we never go through challenges or that we never, you know, go through experiences like with your previous job where you really had to learn boundaries because sometimes that is for our highest good, even though at the time it feels really crappy um, and we don't understand what's going on. But I guess what did that whole experience teach you? I mean, besides obviously the boundaries and that sort of thing, but just the experience of being open to kind of things looking a little differently than you had expected, having to actually make a choice whatever it is, having to make a decision. I, I also relate to that feeling of sometimes it's easier just kind of, I'm not going to have to actually decide. I'm just going to go with the flow and see, you know, see what happens. But I think it is, a, um, again, maybe this is another sign of, of maturity to be able to say, I'm going to decide and let the chips kind of fall where they may, but I'm going to be a grown up and make a choice and, and follow through. So I guess what, what have you kind of learned through that experience that you feel like you're taking with you as you move forward? Well, I think one thing that is big and something I hear a lot is if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. And so I didn't know what to do, but I still made my decision, right? So, and that's kind of like what I was thinking about when you asked me to, to come on was the action I learned that you just do the next thing. And if you do your part, the universe will provide everything else. I'm really quick to want to control the outcome of things. And it is absolutely impossible, completely impossible to control the outcome of anything. <laughs> I feel like I'm living proof. I have tried to exert my will on the universe. <laughs> and It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. But I really think that's, that was the great lesson is that you just, you know, take action. For example, so now I'm here, right? You know, here I am. I took a new job in the middle of a global, here comes Ellen. Oh my gosh. Hi, Ellen. She's Ellen needs middle. her own show. Look, she thinks she's going <laughs> to, she is something, she doesn't like to be ignored, it seems. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, Ellen is my cat. Um, you can find her on my TikTok. But um, anyway, you know, I, I took a new job during the global pandemic, very scary. Um, and I'm working on my, my, you know, I did a film a, a couple of years ago, but this is like my dream project. I'm working on my dream project film. And, you know, what I learned from the whole experience of moving here, I reached out for help. You know, I learned by listening to people tell me, oh, you need to go visit LA, but I need to listen to people. I need to listen to people who have experience and trust that the universe put those people into my life. So for example, I'm sitting here and rehearsing the reading for the film and this po voice pops into my head. You should reach out to, you know, Daniel. He's a successful director. He lives in Los Angeles. You know, you met at the film festival you worked for. He's very kind. 
that voice in my head, you know, addicts might call it the disease or, um, you know, I don't know, there's so many different limit, the limiting belief, you know, like tells me, why would he help you? He's a successful director. You are not a successful director. He makes a living writing for television. You can't even make a living as an actor. So what I learned from that experience is you just do it anyway. And so that's, you know, that's how I have learned courage is that, you know, so I reached out to Daniel. Not only did he say, oh my gosh, I think it would be cool if you set the opening drug dealer scene at a swimming pool in Palm Springs. How cool would that be? And I was like, oh my God, that's brilliant. I know someone who lives in Palm Springs. He goes, ask them if you can film there. I'm like, okay. And then he says, and once you ask them, show me the changes to the script, I'll find you a producer. And then he says, are you thinking of moving to LA? Yes, because I live in Long Beach. And he goes, oh my gosh, let me start taking pictures of for, for rent signs and send you. And he's sending me all these pictures of these apartments and I'm just like, wow. So I learned from the whole experience of moving back to California to trust, you know, trust the universe. And sometimes my instincts are in line with the universe. Sometimes they're really at, 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 um, at odds. But, you know, I learned from going up at that conference into my little hotel room and going on delta.com, I learned, I just got to make my little effort. So I called Daniel. I mean, isn't that amazing? So, you know, that's uh, applying what we learned in, you know, moving forward. It's, it's cool. Just, no, it's so cool. I mean, it's so incredible. I mean, I, I, I just, the idea that you just have to kind of do, you know, take the next right action. Like take, you, you do your part. And then this whole world opened up to you. All you had to do was make a phone call, but that phone call was probably very scary. I mean, that would have been something that would, or an email or whatever it was you reached out. Zoom, Zoom, a Zoom. Yeah, even scary. scary. I, mean, that, I would have been terrified. You know, it's so funny how these little things that seem so kind of what's the big deal. I, that That's something that would have brought a lot up a lot of fear for me. And I'm sure it did for you. You know, you kind of, you know, your brain, your mind was telling you all these reasons why you shouldn't reach out to this person, but you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. this kind of small action that was scary, but you know, and then he was open. He was receptive. He gave you other ideas. He's helping you find an apartment in Los Angeles. I mean, you never would have put that, you know, you never probably never would have, would have thought that that could have been an outcome of reaching out to this person. And so that, yeah, that you don't have to do it all, but you do have to do kind of your part and just take the steps in the right direction. And, you know, things will start, will start moving. I mean, I feel like that even with this podcast, you know, it's taken me years to, you know, I've had this idea two years ago and I've just been kind of afraid to finally do it. And, 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 and one of the things that I do, when I think this is pretty common is you start thinking, well, how am I going to, I don't know how to put it out there. How am I going to market it? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? How long am I going to do it? And I'm like, all I have to do is text my good friend, Brian, and (laughs) schedule a time to record a podcast. Like that's all you have to do right now. You don't have to be all the way down. Well, who's going to be my 20th guest? Who's going to be this? All I have to do is send a text message, (laughs) you know, and, and that, and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing and then you do the next thing. And so I think when you can kind of just say, okay, don't get ahead of yourself. 
just what is your next action? And then see, go from there. I think that's a really, that's been really helpful to me when I've, you know, wanted to do kind of scary things to just do one, one step at a time. Cause then it, it builds your confidence too. Because yes. then you see like the reading that we did of my film, when that idea first popped into, well, my friend Melanie suggested it. Well, I kind of like had the idea and then she suggested she would produce it. In that moment, I just couldn't see it happening. Like I couldn't see it happening. And then as we were doing it last week, I was like, well, it happened. <laughs> I was like, and that's a limiting belief. I, uh, there's this amazing life coach. His name is Michael Gallion. I attended his, uh, they do these monthly workshops. He and John Hillstead, um, it's called Clear Vision. And we talked about limiting beliefs last night. And that's such a limiting belief is that, you know, I can't even do this reading. And then if you don't do it, the next thing, oh, I couldn't do the reading. How could I ever think I could do the film? And so yeah. now that I've done the reading, I'm like, oh, since I did the reading, I can do the film. Yeah. And so you just build. And I do believe the universe will, of course, correct you. One thing I, uh, I think about a lot is when I took that wealth management job, I also got an opportunity to interview at the university in Oxford. And I remember I, I mentioned it to a friend. I said, what do you think about this? I've already given a verbal offer to this wealth management company. And he said, it's a verbal offer. Go to the interview at the university. I didn't do it. And, you know, six months later, I got fired from that job. Mm. So, I mean, who knows? I could have gone to the university. I could have done that job. And someone, I mean, I could have ended up in California either way. Yeah. But I took, I took my way and the universe was like, we're firing you. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which, you know, I think those moments are kind of like where you have no choice but to be courageous. And for me, when I got fired, the four months between, um, or was it maybe five months between being fired and starting that job at the treatment center were probably some of the most incredible months of my life because I literally had no choice but to trust the universe. Mm -hmm. It was either trust the universe or probably use drugs again because, I mean, I was unemployed, clean. And, you know, um, that's, uh, you think it would be scary, but it was amazing. Cause I was like, okay, universe, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, those moments when you have to trust and see the, you can get amnesia. Like when I remember that, I'm like, oh, wow. That was my, my best moment. Probably the best four or five months of my life was when I was unemployed and yeah. trusting the universe. But today I'll be like, well, you know, I think I got this. I don't need the universe's help. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, you get selective amnesia when it comes to courage, mm -hmm. I think. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I love, what, I love what you said too about just taking action. I used to think that I'd, all I need to do is be more confident. I need to be more confident. I need to do the inner work and read more books and do more classes so that I can become more confident. And therefore I will be more courageous when I am more confident. And I think as time has gone on, I've realized, oh no, 
I don't need to be more confident. I just need to take action that, you know, I think there are some people out there that maybe do feel more confident or able to take action more easily and maybe aren't as afraid or, and I also think, like you said, with the more you do this, the easier it gets. But one thing I've had to really learn is that, oh no, I just need to be more comfortable with the fear. I need to be more comfortable with the discomfort and I need to be more willing to take action, even though I'm really, really scared and I'm really, really uncomfortable that that probably won't go away. Maybe the more I do it, the easier it will be, but then you're at the same time, you end up just kind of um, raising the stakes. And so it's been helpful. It's also been a little bit, it's been a little bit of a check on myself because I realize I can't keep waiting for this epiphany to happen or for me to somehow wake up just this confident, you know, fearless person. I have to take action now and just be okay, be okay, be comfortable with that discomfort, with that fear, with that feeling of I'm not good enough, with that feeling of why am I doing this, with this feeling of this is stupid or with, you know, all those limiting beliefs that are in your mind, kind of still having those things, but taking action anyway. That's something that I have really been trying to learn and actually take action on that, that new lesson of you can't just keep waiting for something, you know, for you to be this type of person that's just completely fearless, but that um, you have to take action in the face of fear. And like you said, it's like a muscle, the more you do it. I don't even know if it's easier, but you just get more used to it. I think it becomes less abnormal. You just become a person that takes action in the face of fear more often. And so you're able to do it. Um, Yeah, that's so true. It's so funny. I hadn't thought about this in a while, but right before I moved, I read, I was reading two books. One was You're a Badass Every Day. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of that book. No. And And one was called Boundaries. And I remember reading both and being like, okay, I'm a badass and I have boundaries. And uh, the, the badass book really helped me to move. Like, but I'll tell you, reading the book about boundaries did not give me boundaries. Spending a year in a job where they would have had me do anything if I would just do it and having to say no was how I learned boundaries. The book helped, but it's the practice that really counts. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I could talk to you about this. All day long. And you know, when I listen to the next episode, I'm going to take notes, <laughs> you know, yeah, because it's yeah. the shared experience that makes us better. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I mean, you, you are such a gifted communicator. Um, and, and I mean, I really think that's a gift you have. And, and I'm so glad that you are not only on this podcast, but just, you know, with your work and all the stuff that you do that you, that, that is part of your work is communicating and, and you have such a rich life experience that, you know, I know a lot of those things were very painful to go through at the time. And, and, um, I'm just grateful that you're here to share those things and with us and all the lessons you've learned. And yeah. So to kind of finish up a little bit, what is, you know, you had talked about, I know you want with the reading and the movie, what would sort of, what's sort of like the next right thing or next action that you want to take to move that project forward? I need to ask, I have a couple of friends who live in Palm Springs and I need to ask them if I can film at their home or if they know someone who will let me film at their home because that's what Daniel told me to do 
in order to change the script and for him to help me find a producer. So it's so simple. Mm-hmm. But all I have to do is ask. So that's that. And then I'm, you know, while at the same time looking for an apartment in LA, like I start to freak out about, oh my God, I have to start packing. I'm like, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. That's such a, that's like, so exactly right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'll tell you like this morning I was thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have any boxes. (laughs) Well, why should I have boxes? I'm not moving until the end of March. (laughs) So yeah. um, I I totally relate to that. It could be as simple as driving around Silver Lake. Like I've had multiple people suggest that neighborhood to me and I could very easily just go, go for a drive around. So drive around Silver Lake, reach out to my two friends who live in Palm Springs really simple that those are the next things Mm -hmm. super easy and simple Mm -hmm. yeah I'm saying it out loud I'm like why don't I do it when I hang up (laughs) (laughs) when we're done should I be your coach here so when will you be (laughs) when will you be doing these things Um, today yeah yeah no I I mean I love that I mean that's such a that's so helpful to me too as just we're talking about that I mean I totally get ahead of myself. Like that whole thing with the boxes. I mean, that's so funny to me, but it's so true. You know, like I can't possibly find an apartment because I don't have boxes. You know, you're already, you're already at that place. And it's like, like you said, or I could just drive around Silver Lake. Yeah. And oh my it. God. I hope I can carry my boxes up <laughs> these imaginary stairs yeah. that yes. don't exist. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, that's so, it's so funny how we do that. And, and I think that's such an important thing to be able to just say, okay, hold, hold up, hold, like take a breath. I don't need to worry about that right now. All I need to do is take a little drive. Yeah. It's fine. Well, this also, also this morning it was, where am I going to put Ellen when I move? Yeah. I don't even know what my apartment looks like. (laughs) (laughs) Where am I going to put Ellen? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, it's so funny to me. And Cause I, I, I totally do that. And, uh, I think it, again, it's such a, sometimes we think we have to make these grand and sometimes we do, we have to take these grand actions. Sometimes that's what's required, but sometimes that's not what's required. You know, um, sometimes it's something very small and then you do another small thing and then another and another and another, and then you end up where you want to be. Well, even the move to California, like I remember, like I had to say, yes, I accept the contract. That's very simple. Yes, I'll take, I'll take the job. I mean, looking back, it's like the move to California, but the steps were really small, even in that big move. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And here you are. Here I am. Thank you so much to Brian for being my first guest and for being so open and sharing such wisdom and insight. I know I loved this conversation and would love to hear from you, your feedback and what you've learned, what insights you're taking away that you can implement into your own life. And as promised, keep listening for a very special guest, my daughter, Carmen, who will be sharing her story of a time that she was very brave. And until next time, thank you so much for joining me 
and learning courage. Carmen, can you tell me about a time when you were really brave, even when you were afraid? It was when my bike rolled into the street. I was going to have Daddy get it, but Daddy said, I can do it. I was scared to do it, but I did it because I was brave. I was both raised before I went into the street. And how did you feel after you were brave? I felt brave. You felt brave. And good. And good. And then what were some of the things you did right before to make sure that you were safe? I looked both ways. Mm-hmm. And I just ran off to get my bike. Wow, you were very, very brave, and you were also very safe, which is really good. And so, next time when you have to be brave, what do you think you'll do? Just do it and try to stay safe. That's a good answer. How about the next time you have to get a flu shot? I don't know about that. They hurt a lot. Do you think you'll be able to be brave next time? Maybe. Maybe. Because I'll be six. Because you'll be six. You can be more brave because you'll, you'll be six. And I'm kind of older. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. I love you. I love you too, Mommy. Signing off. Goodbye, everyone who's all listening to me. Bye.